The book of Hebrews speaks to us with such great encouragement and with such a positive tone when you read it from verse uh, chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through to chapter 13. And you'll find out that it is a book that deals with real life issues and primarily um, written to the Hebrew Christians who found the Lord Jesus, who moved forward into their faith with Christ. And then during this period of time, they were experiencing great tribulation, difficulty, uncertainty within their faith. As I said about a month ago, when you read the Word of God, you will find out that the Word of God was written during turbulent times. And so it is even more relevant to the times that we are going through at the moment. And um, so the Word of God is so relevant to us. And the Hebrew Christians here takes great encouragement from the writings of the Hebrew writer. Doesn't tell us who wrote the book of Hebrews, but personally I believe it was Paul. And so I'm gonna refer to Paul during this time, and so that's just my personal preference. When you look at his style, when you look at some of the things that he says. The overall theme of the book of Hebrews is that God has given us a superior new covenant versus the old covenant in Jesus Christ to replace the inferior old covenant covenant of animal sacrifices. This has been made plain to the believers that their faith should be strong and steadfast in Jesus, Jesus even when they face hardships. And so we see here that the new covenant speaks to us about a better person who has given us better promises. The Old Testament and Old Covenant, it was based on many of the prophets, and Paul deals with this in the first three or four chapters in the book of Hebrews and a few other places later on. And so he says to us that Jesus actually is greater than all the other prophets. He says that Jesus is greater than all the other sacrifices because he became the sacrifice to us. So the book of Hebrews says that the new covenant is far better because we are given Jesus as the very central cornerstone of our faith. In Hebrews chapter one, it says that in these last days, God has chosen to speak to us through Jesus. And so it's wonderful, as we heard the last few weeks, that we can hear God's voice through the Lord Jesus as the Holy Spirit speaks about the wonderful things that he wants us to know and to hear. So we see that the new covenant gives us a better person. But the new covenant also provides better promises for us than the Old Testament. The Old Testament was based on the things that we need to do. The new covenant is based on the things that Jesus did for us. Isn't that fantastic? And so this is the core message that the Hebrew writer gives to the Hebrew Christians in the midst of their difficulties. We see that the Hebrew Christians were under such pressure that they were starting to consider going back to Judaism. 
in all of its forms of worship. And you would say, well, how is that possible? They had tasted and they had seen that Jesus is good. But my friends, we understand that sometimes difficulty, sometimes difficult situations, disappointments within our lives can cause us to look back instead of moving forward into our faith. And so the Hebrew Christians were at that place. And so the Hebrew writer says to them, Jesus is far better. The covenant that we are in, the new covenant, is far outweighs the old covenant. Why do you want to go back? You see, these Christians of Jewish descent wanted to exchange Moses for Jesus. They wanted to exchange Christian gatherings for synagogue worship again. They wanted to exchange their Christian faith for the works of the law. And you'd say, well, how stupid. I think sometimes we do that too. And they wanted to exchange, and listen to this one, men. They wanted to go back and exchange the cross for circumcision. And we'd say, are you out of your mind? And of course, the Galatian um, in the book of Galatians, Paul writes to them in chapter 6 and verse 12, he says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross. And that is what was happening with the Christians in the book of Hebrews. They were avoiding being persecuted for the cross. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 7, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and similarly to the Hebrew Christians, when you read the book of Hebrews, he was saying to them, you were running such a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And this is what Paul, or the Hebrew writer, is trying to say to the Hebrew Christians. And so this is the context of the book of Hebrews. Now can we go back and read verses 32 to 39 of Hebrews chapter 10, and you'll understand the context of the reading here. And so verse 32 says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. And then he comes to the point that he looks at them square in the eye the Hebrew writer says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come 
and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back or who looks back or who goes back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And so my title for today is Go Forward not backwards. Our faith is so rich and it's cost Jesus so much Then, for us to go back, we are denying in acknowledgement through our actions the very things that cost Jesus his life and We are in our actions denying the fact that Jesus Christ actually died, buried, and was rose from the dead. And the Hebrew writer says, my friends, that's not a good testimony to do that. We're here to exalt the work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is so, my friends, and I definitely understand that during these times, that the church is in a vulnerable place. The church is at a difficult place where we have to look at new strategies as we move ahead. But I do believe that it is a time where the church can rise and shine. But the church consists of individual believers who collectively make out this wonderful church that God has saved us into. And I do feel that as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a huge responsibility to take what God has done for us, but also the gospel that's been placed within our hands. And at a time like this, we should not shrink back. What does it mean to shrink back? We shouldn't go back into smallness of heart and faith. We shouldn't go back into conservatism because God has called us to be generous in every sphere of our lives. We shouldn't go back to the familiar because faith always takes us into the unfamiliar waters. We shouldn't go back to our default setting and each and every one of us have a default setting that we go back to when the pressure is on. And sometimes when things are too comfortable, we slip back into our default setting. And I shared with you two weeks ago that I was praying with a friend. And as we were praying, I just felt God speak to me in my spirit saying, Piet, do not shrink back into smallness. And that was the message for me. And I waited about two, three weeks before I thought that this is a message that I could share with us as a church because it was definitely for me. And with the pressures that there are, the uncertainties from a church perspective, it's so easy for leaders to shrink back into smallness where we just try and manage what we have instead of stepping in faith into the things that God had prepared for us, which is so incredible. And I believe the church likewise needs to rise up in these times 
and we need to carry the witness of the Lord Jesus. And Ken said it while he was sharing communion with us. We need to carry the witness of the resurrection, the message of the resurrection and that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead. Yes, he was crucified, but he rose from the dead. And we need to carry that message of hope to so many who find themselves in a place where there is no longer hope. When I look at the, from his family, what they are going through is so hard. Can't imagine going through that type of pain. And we're certainly with them. Um, their beautiful little daughter, well, around 20 years old, being with Jesus today. And, 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 and so we look at their lives and when I spoke to, to the father this week, he just said to me, Piet, she's with Jesus. And what he was doing was he was proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that is alive today because our resurrection is found within the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And so God spoke to me so strongly about that. And I want to encourage the church today that we need to take steps forward into the things that God has planned for us and that we should not shrink back into smallness. The Hebrew writer within this passage of Scripture makes mention of the fact that we should not lose our confidence. And it's very interesting that when we lose our confidence, oftentimes our faith starts to shrink. So when your confidence shrinks, your future shrinks, Murdoch says. And that's very, very interesting. And at a time like this, the church us as individual Christians, we mustn't let our confidence diminish. We should actually step out in faith because that's when our future is enlarged. But Murdoch further says that every future has a price. And the type of future that we are looking forward to as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The future that we are stepping into as individual Christians is huge, my friends. God has placed eternity within our hearts. But there is a price to pay for that future. The Hebrew writer looks at the church here and he says to them, you have paid already a price for your future. Don't cancel out that price that you paid. Speaking to a mate the other day, and since we're living in Switzerland, we still have some life insurances and other insurances in South Africa. And he said to me, well, you know, you've got all of these things here in Switzerland. Why maybe look at canceling your life insurance there because you know, you're paying a high premium there. You know, and I said to him, I said, I, I hear what you're saying, but I said, you know, I have paid so much money into my life insurance already. Why just give it away? I said, you know, I want to return for it one day when I die. 
I want Jenny to enjoy that. You know, and we had a great laugh. And it's exactly the same illustration here, my friends. The Hebrew Christians had already paid a price for their faith. As the passage says there, they have stood with people who were insulted. Their properties were confiscated and so many different things. They couldn't get their children married in the synagogue anymore. The synagogue privilege was taken away. So their children were getting married in homes. You know, and so the children were tugging at their parents and saying, Dad, I want this wonderful wedding in the synagogue. And yet they couldn't have it. They were paying a price for believing that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that Jesus is coming a second time. That was their message. And again, in the passage that we read, it gives reference to the point that without delay, Jesus is going to come back. So the Hebrew writer says, hey, friends, there definitely is a price to pay for the future that you want. And it's exactly the same for us as a church. My friends, we believe here in Switzerland that God has given Europe to the church. And so we're linking hands with other churches so that the gospel can be preached in Europe. But my friends, there is a price to pay for that type of future that we want to have. In just a few weeks, we're going to share details with you just about Project India where we as a church want to sow into India finance that we've set up uh, kind of like a target for 15,000 francs that we want to release in India. My friends, there's a future, there is a price to pay for the future that we want. So we go way and beyond Europe. We go into Asia as well. My friends, we want to see the gospel go, but there's a price to pay. And, and I want to ask us as a church whether we are prepared to pay that price. I think the enemy, the devil, is so clever because over these times he wants to shrink our confidence. And as he does that, he has the ability to shrink our futures. And my friends, we cannot let him do that. We cannot just manage our journey here. My friends, we've got to step forward in faith. What God has called us to walk in, it's clear what he has called us to walk in. The Bible tells us exactly what we need to walk in. And I absolutely love that. So we've got to be very careful that fear causes us to lose our confidence. Fear of faces, that means people. Fear of the future, it's uncertain. Fear of failure. My friends, one of the things for us as church leaders oftentimes is we're afraid to fail. 15,000 francs, are we going to get it? Are we going to be seen as a leadership who have failed in our attempt? No, my friends, we cannot have that fear. We've got to press onwards into the things that God has called us to. And if you agree with me, can I have an amen where you are sitting? <laughs> Thank you again. <laughs> My friends, what will cause us to shrink back is compromise. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. Compromise will shrink our futures. We cannot afford to do that. That type of sin is more dangerous than anything else. You need to just look at your lives at the moment as we are and to say which areas of compromise is shrinking our future together. I think the familiar, we, for instance, we no longer count it a privilege to serve Christ. The wow factor is gone. My friends, 
That's why we break bread together, because as we go back to the cross, the wow factor takes a hold of our faith, and it starts to grow again. Then we understand the burial, and when we come to the resurrection of Jesus, and you see that that was the message in the book of Acts, because the disciples and the apostles and the believers there had to defend their position because they believed that Jesus rose from the dead. So in so many accounts in the um, book of Acts, they are witnessing of the resurrection of Jesus. My friends, that's where the wow factor comes again. The familiar can cause our futures to shrink. My friends, impatience. You know, the Hebrew writer says that we need to run the race with patience. He says, these things that God has promised for us, he says, it comes by way of the root of patience. And my friends, we've had to be patient to see these promises come about for us here in Switzerland as a church, for Europe. What I thought would happen three or four years ago, we're still stepping into. We've got to be patient because God has a plan. And similarly, the churches that you represent if you're um, a part of another church and you've dialed in with us. And then, my friends, what causes us to shrink back is disappointment. I loved the Hess's response to the death of their daughter. Firstly, Hans said to me, Piet, she's with Jesus. That already deals with some of the disappointment. The grief is there, and they're going to have to walk through that for many years. It's not a quick process. But that disappointment, for all of us, could stop our progress in moving on in the things that God has for us. This family has an eternal perspective concerning their faith, and that there will be a reunion one day between them and their precious, precious daughter. Be careful for disappointment. Disappointment has the ability to get stuck in our spirit and cause us not to move into the things that God has prepared for us. My friends, we can also get stuck in sin. That's very dangerous. When we get stuck in sin, our future starts to shrink. Because Paul says we need to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run the race with patience, setting our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. My friends, the only way we get unstuck from sin is to, again, look at Jesus and let Jesus get us out of that sticky business of sin. Someone once said, what we look at, we become like. So be careful what you look at, because that will influence what you become like. My friends, we need to be looking at Jesus, the resurrected Christ, the risen Christ. As we do that, our faith will become dynamic again. So I want to encourage you, just to look at those things and just say, in my journey with Jesus, how am I doing in those six areas? Fear, compromise, the familiar, sin, impatience, 
and that very difficult one that all of us face, disappointment. How are we dealing through those things? I want to close and just conclude by looking just at Acts chapter 4. And when you have time at home, I'd love you to read verses 23 to 37 because practically, how do, or how do we do that? You would say, well, the Christians in the book of Acts did it well because they experienced what the Hebrew Christians were going through because we do know that um, uh, the book of Hebrews were written around 63 AD and we understand that Paul was again imprisoned in 64 AD. So we do know that it was all a part of the journey of the book of Acts, the book of Hebrews too. But how do we practically walk through it as a church? And I'm using the church as the example, not as individual believers, because individual believers should be part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what did the people in Acts do as they were going through these difficulties? And in Acts chapter 4, it's an amazing um, story. You know, the church was given here incredible responsibility to witness to the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. That was the church's primary responsibility. And it is ours too to tell people about the resurrection of Jesus. But you can only tell them about it if you experienced it within your own heart. And so we see that the church is doing that. They had this responsibility that they needed to protect. I love the story. One of my favorite characters is Spider-Man, Peter Parker. And all through when I was a child, all the way up to today, he's still my favorite. With all of the modern-day comic heroes, doesn't come close to my Spider-Man. And I remember when Peter Parker sat next to his dad in the car, and he had just gotten involved in a fight with someone, had beaten him up, and he was in the car, and now his adopted father was about to give him the speech. And so in the car, they sit, and he looks at Peter. I was going to show the clip, but we're not allowed to show the clip and, um, on Facebook Live. And so as we sat, as he sat there next to his father, his father looked at him and he gave him kind of like a preamble to the speech. You know those ones? And as he was talking to him, he says, Peter, he says, with great power comes great responsibility. The church had received great power in the book of Acts chapter 1 and 2. Now they have the responsibility of carrying that power out by testifying to the resurrection Christ. So how did they protect this? And I'm not going to spend much time on it. I'm just going to give you what happened within the book of Acts. You will see that in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. The Christians in the book of Acts, to keep alive their witness of the resurrection Lord, they did that by telling their God stories to one another. I love that. You see, Acts chapter 4, verse 23 says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. The Christians reported what was happening within their lives. Oh, I can stand here for the next few hours and tell you about some of the God stories within Switzerland. How the resurrected Christ 
release people from sin and place them en route to a preferred future. Church, when we gather together for meals, why don't you start off by telling God's stories to one another? Hmm, I tell you, that's part of our responsibility because we have received so much. Let's tell God's stories to one another. I mean, Acts chapter 3, verses 6 to 10 is the story of Peter and John who heals the lame beggar. What did the lame beggar do? Wow, this man, he encountered the resurrected Christ and the Bible says that he was standing up, he was leaping and he was praising God. He was telling his God story to everyone he came in contact with around our dining room tables. Let's tell people about our God stories. I've got a few. You've got a few. That's how people's faith stays alive and yours by telling God stories. Secondly, by praying together. We see the church here came together and they prayed together. Acts chapter 4, verses 24 to 28. And you can read the whole account. But when they heard this, in verse 24, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and everything in it. So uh, Peter and John came and they uh, told them what had happened. They uh, shared their God story. Then the church got together and they prayed. My friends, we do that on a Tuesday night during this COVID-19 period from 8.30 to quarter past nine. And we tell God's stories there and then we pray. Hans and Laura were in our prayer meeting this past Tuesday night. They didn't know about the tragedy that was going to strike them on Thursday as they flew to the United States. While their child was um, in a hospital, they could be strengthened by the prayers that we pray together as a church. My friends, I want to encourage you, if you're a part of a church out there, find out when they pray and get with it. <laughs> Zoom in, pray. My friends, as we pray the resurrecting life of Christ in our communities of faith goes to another level. That's what prayer does. I want to encourage you on Tuesday night to come and pray with us. Remember, we've been given much power. We have great responsibility. They believed in, the, in a God who is sovereign. <laughs> That's what they believed in. The church, with all that's happening, James was beheaded during this time. Stephen became the first martyr of the church a few chapters later. With all of these disappointments, they could have gone back to paganism. Many of the guys in the book of Acts, instead, they moved ahead and forward into the purposes of God. Because they believe that God orders their lives. That's what sovereign means. It means that God is over all. Lord with unlimited power to rule and reign. That's what sovereign means. And he directs things as they happen. They had a great theology centered in the sovereignty of God, that God determines things as we go ahead. And that's how they dealt with these disappointments. 
my friends, I could share so many more of these points here. But let me just share maybe one or two more, and then we close. And I want you to read this passage. You'll see how practical their faith was. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, we say here. They believed God for the impossible, and you looked in Acts chapter 4, verse 30, it says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. They believed in the supernatural. My friends, over this period of time, the church needs to believe in the supernatural and to trust God for that. Otherwise, our faith will shrink. We want it to become larger so that we can testify about the resurrected Christ. I mean, you know, in Acts chapter 4, verses 32, we see that these believers, they shared everything that they had with one another. With great power comes great responsibility. I've just loved. Every now and then we look in our post box and someone puts a packet of cookies in there or some some really nice stuff. And so Jenny said to me yesterday, I'm going to be so sad when the COVID-19 is over because then, you know, maybe there won't be anything in our post boxes anymore. And believe me, my wife goes and delivers more things than almost than what we receive in our post boxes. And so uh, she's doing great with that. And I love that because during these times, part of our witnessing about the resurrected Christ is just to be kind to our neighbors. Practical? No, it's hugely spiritual and dynamic in our faith spreading. My friends, they gave generously. Acts chapter 4, verse 34 says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The church was persecuted in that day. Properties confiscated. This man went to sell his property. He brought it to the church and laid it at the apostles' feet. And he says, this money, you use it for the preaching of the gospel and for the needs around about us. Isn't that amazing? That's how the resurrected power of Jesus causes our faith to grow. Let's be generous. Let's not shrink into conservatism, into smallness with our finance. And then lastly, by having their faith energized by the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Acts chapter 4 verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Isn't that a scripture worth placing on your mirror this week? Acts 4, I think 33, it says, with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Remember, church, remember, Christians, with great power comes great responsibility. Will you pray with us, please? Father, we thank you for the privilege of being a part of your church. Thank you where our lives were dead to sin. You came and you made us 
alive in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for the privilege of representing you and thank you for filling us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we realize that with all that you've placed within us, there is a great responsibility that is upon us as a church and as individual Christians to testify, to tell people our God stories and to believe that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or even think. Would you come into the sitting rooms, the lounges where people are at now and would you fill people with your hope, Lord? Would you enlarge people's faith to believe? And we pray that you would give us the grace not to shrink back into smallness, into conservatism, into our default setting, but to step into the preferred future that you gave for us that cost you everything. And so we thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to pray for those of you who have joined us today. And you may not be a Christian, or you have shrunk back in your faith, and you are not walking with Jesus anymore. I'd like to pray for you. So would you allow me to pray for you, please? Father, I pray for these very special people that you love. I pray for those, Lord, who are not walking with you anymore, but have gone back. Lord, would you receive them as they repent of their sins today before you, as they focus their eyes back on you, Jesus? And we ask that you would restore them now, that they may walk with you again, Lord. Father, we pray for those who have never known you. They're not believers, but to this morning, they want to trust you with their lives. They believe that you died on the cross for them. They believe that you were buried, but also this morning they believe that you are the resurrected Christ that could resurrect them from their sins, and give them eternal life like nearly has today. Father, we pray that you would receive them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Thank you, Ken, for sharing communion with us. Renus, for um, getting the production online with us. Um, and thank you for praying for us as we saw some of the difficulties that came today. And I think you would agree with me that the team this morning who got it together for us are outstanding. And we thank you for that. See you on Tuesday night at the prayer meeting. God bless.